Welcome to the Nen Valley Vineyard podcast. What you're about to listen to is some teaching from our Sunday services. We're a church made up of people from Wellingborough through to Oundle spread across the Nen Valley and beyond. If you want to know more about us or find out how to get involved, visit our website, which is nenvalley.church, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Nen Valley Vineyard. Oh, good morning, Nen Valley Vineyard. I've got to get used to saying that. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Dick. Uh, I've been part of the congregation that meets here, so that I don't get it wrong, the congregation that meets here for the last 30 years. So it's been an absolute blessing. We came to Rawns um, and we were not saved. Um, because we were in Rawns, we got saved. Well, it's actually Jesus that saved us, but, but there you are. So it's been an absolute blessing for us to be part of Rawns. We have four daughters. Um, and I've got to say that is character building, isn't it, Matthew? Matthew's got four daughters. You live in a house with five women. It is character building. There's no doubt about it. So everyone gets to play. Um, I just want to reiterate um, John Wimber's words that Tom brought last week. Everyone gets to play. We all get to do the work of the kingdom. doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. You can be from Rawns, uh, Wellingborough, Denford, Thrapston, Oundle, wherever. Um, you get to play. And a major part of the work of the kingdom is telling people about Jesus. Now, I can hear a sharp intake of breath now as soon as we mention telling people about Jesus and everybody getting to play. Bear with me. I'm going to explain a bit more about that. What I want to look at, in the Bible, there are two greats, two great statements or two great verses. There is the great commandment, which is in Luke 10, 25 to 29. And there's the great commission, which is in Matthew 28. So we're going to start off with the great commandment. And the commandment was from God. And we first see the great commandment in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. And um, the Jews would know this as the Shema. And it would be, listen Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. The Lord is alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your might. And every Jew would say that prayer at least once a day. And they would learn it from a very young age. And in fact, I'm told that pious Jews would hope to die with those words on their lips. And uh, we read in the great commandment in, in, in Luke... Um, it says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. That's not a good thing to do, really, is it? You're on a loser if you're going to try that, aren't you? So he stood up to test Jesus. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus replied, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And 
That second part is actually from the Old Testament as well. It's in Leviticus. And it says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And it's worth noting that these are not requests, not polite suggestions. They are commandments from God, decrees and laws that the Lord our God has directed to teach us to observe. They were given to Moses and he gave them to Israel. So here we see an expert in the law. So if we go on to the next part, the, he says, uh, Jesus says, you have answered correctly. I bet you thought, yes, correct it. And he said, um, do this and you will live. But this expert in the law, you know what lawyers are like? They're always trying to find a loophole, aren't they? Always trying to find a way out of having to do what they really know they've got to do. Not all lawyers, by the way. There are some. I'm sure there's some really good lawyers out there as well. Any lawyers in the room? Okay, there's probably not then. Okay. So he's looking for a loophole. And I can equate to that. You know, when God puts something on your heart to do, it's a bit like Moses. Oh, send someone else. You've got it, you've got it so wrong. I'm no good at talking. I'm no good at doing what you want me to do. Please send somebody else. You're looking for a loophole. And so he asks this, this interesting question. Um, who is my neighbor? And we all know the story. Jesus goes on to tell the story of the Good Samaritan. And we did this once as a um, part of an RE lesson for Rawls Manor School. And um, I think we got it wrong. Well, I think I got it wrong. I was just reading through this again today. So we said to the, to the children in the class, okay, so you've read the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, who would you say your neighbor is? And of course, they'd say, well, the person sitting next to me, my next door neighbor, uh, my brother. And uh, we said, yeah. And then somebody says, well, isn't it everyone? And we said, yes, it is. You're right. It's everyone is my neighbor. But when I look at the story of the Good Samaritan, if I say that everyone is my neighbor, it's almost like that is such a broad brushstroke that I can almost get away with anything because there is so much of it to hit, I don't have to hit any of it. But when we read the story of the Good Samaritan, the way I read it is the Good Samaritan was the person that was in need who was closest to me at the time. He was my neighbor, the person in greatest need who is closest to me at the time. And we read that the priest and the Levite passed by on the other side. Now, just like I would do, they probably rationalized what they were doing. So they were probably thinking, well, if I go near him and he's dead and I touch him, I'm going to be unclean and I won't be able to go to church. Or... It could be an ambush, and I might get killed myself, or I'm just too busy. They're all excuses. And just to remind ourselves, the Samaritan was a sworn enemy of the Jew. They hate each other with vengeance. They wouldn't even talk to each other. They would pass each other on the other side of the street. 
But this Samaritan chose to help this guy. So this guy was something in need, and he was his neighbor at the time. So when we look at this story, literally, and we become more intentional about reaching our neighbors. So now it gets a bit personal. So who is your neighbor? Who is that person in need who is close to me, who I have an opportunity? And I wonder how well we know those people that live on our street. You've got one of these on your, on your seats, okay? This is, this is homework, okay? I bet you didn't think you were going to get homework when you came to church this morning, did you? So a little bit of homework. So imagine that that house in the middle is you, okay? And then you've got people to the left of you, people to the right of you, probably people in front and maybe people behind. So just have a look at that and see how much you know about your neighbours. You might know their first name, for instance. Um, you might have just said hello when you put the bins out and then dive back in in case they wanted to speak to you. I've got a great neighbour. He actually puts my bin out for me. And he takes it in. Good old Dave. He's a nice bloke. Um, maybe, maybe you're on first name terms with some of them. Maybe you know, because you can stand at your door and you can watch him washing his car every Sunday at 10 o'clock. So you know he likes his car. Or maybe you know they like gardening. You might even know what football team they support. Now, that might be a good or a bad thing. I don't know. But maybe you've met some of them socially. There's something a bit uh, radical, isn't it? Meeting your neighbours socially. So let me ask a question. What would happen if we really got to know our neighbours? I know we are mostly British and we're a bit reserved. And um, I, I love Alpha. And Nicky Gumble tells this story about the British being reserved. Then he puts a picture of a football match up and all these guys going absolutely mental just because somebody's kicked the ball into a net. Um, so we're not reserved about the things that we really care about. I really care about Jesus. I really care about getting the message of Jesus out to those around us. So if we really care about something, we're going to be passionate about it. But it doesn't mean to say, as Tom suggested last week, we stand on a street corner. Do you remember the old uh, sandwich boards? You are all going to hell. You know, That's encouraging, isn't it? I don't think that would uh, win many friends or influence people. So last week, Tom told us about some of the ways we could serve our community. And again, that's loving our neighbours. Well, what are our neighbours actually like? How could we serve them? What about if you baked a batch of cakes and took them around to your neighbours? What do you think their reaction would be? If you just took some cakes around. I bet everybody's thinking, my neighbours are going to think I am really weird. I am a nutter. Okay, I live next to the nutter. Every street's got a nutter, and I've just found out who ours is. But actually, that's an absolute lie from the enemy. Um, we tried it once, didn't we? we? Well, we, I say royal we. My wife baked some scones and, and just took them round to our neighbours. And do you know what? One bloke says, 
do you know what? These are my favorite scones, and I haven't had any for ages. And it was, it was a blessing. We have this thing when someone new moves into our, our vicinity, we go and buy a card for them, a welcome card, and we just put on it our names and our phone number, and if you need anything, don't hesitate to knock, and we just put it through their door. And we might follow that up and ask them if the move went okay, is there anything they need? And um, we did that with a neighbour that moved in recently, and I said, look, is everything okay, anything you need? And the wife says, actually, I've got a bad back, and... Um, my husband has ordered some wardrobes that need assembling. And um, I was going to have to help him with it. I said, no problem, I'll help. No problem, I'll, I'll help build some wardrobes. What I didn't realise is it was a complete bedroom full of wardrobes. It was her dressing room. So it was two days later we finished building these wardrobes. But it was brilliant. I had a fantastic time with, with the guy. And we got on really well, and they are now very good friends, aren't they? So I was feeling really smug, thinking, yeah, if I went through this, I bet I could tick a few of these off. And then on Friday, I was sawing some wood outside our house, and this bloke walked past, and I'd just been sort of refreshing myself on the teaching. I thought, oh, I wonder if he lives close to me. I'd better find out who he is. So I said, hello. Hello, he said. Um, and we got chatting, and uh, I found out his name. I found out he was a teacher. I found out he liked drama. So I said, Did, do you live locally? He says, yeah, I, I live in this road. Oh, really? When did you move in? 37 years ago. <laughs> so it's almost like sometimes God gives us a little, oh, so you think you've got it sussed, don't you? No. It, None of us have got it sussed. Um, we can all do much more than we think we can do. So anyway, we, we built the wardrobes, we invited them around for coffee, and we've also organised for our neighbours to get together to meet our new neighbour. And, uh, and that was lovely. They really enjoyed it because they didn't know anybody in the street. And it's dead easy. If you mention, there's two things that really, really work with neighbours, and that's wine and coffee. If you mention either of those two, you're friends for life. Really is good. And you may say that, you know, we're Christians. We should be preaching the gospel, not messing about with lots of good works. Well, trust me, you will have opportunities to talk about Jesus if you just love your neighbours. We've got one neighbour, my mate, and I've invited him to four alphas now. And he's refused every time. And every time we go round there, he brings up the subject of God. Now, it might be, he might just say to me, will you have a word with him upstairs for me? Because Arsenal have got Chelsea next week and it's going to be tough. But, you know, it's, you will have opportunities and we, we just need to make the most of them. And what you will find is that most people don't care what you know and don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. The really important thing is to care about your people, to care about your neighbours. When you love your neighbours, you'll have opportunities to bring the good news to them. So now we come on to um, 
The second great, the Great Commission. Now, I had to look up the word commission because I'm a salesman and commission only means one thing to me. So I had to look up what it really meant. And commission is an instruction, a command, or a role given to a person or a group. It's only as we obey the great command to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbours yourself, then you can fulfil the Great Commission. Because love has to come first. Everything about God is love. doesn't matter what you read in the Bible, everything is about God's love. And um, Father Raniero Pantalamessa, he's, he's actually the preacher to the papal household. He says that the whole Bible speaks of nothing but God's love. And we read John 3.16, don't we? We all know it, but do we know it? For God so loved the world, he so loved everybody in it, not just the people that go to church on a Sunday, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son that none of us should perish, but all of us should have eternal life. So when we read this, the Great Commission, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. They were obedient. They did what he told them to do. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So let's start from this point, shall we? All authority on he in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And I love what Bill Johnson from Bethel in America says. He makes the point, if Jesus has all the authority, then the devil has none. The devil only has the authority that we give him. If we don't give him authority, he has none. And that's something for us to think about. So he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So Jesus told his disciples to go. So he authorizes his disciples and he commissions his disciples. What does that mean for us? Are we, are we disciples, or was that only the, the 12 that were very special and close to Jesus? Well, if you read John 8.31, it says, To the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Do we hold to the teaching of Jesus? Any answers? Yes, we do. Well, we're disciples. Everyone that holds to the teaching of Jesus is his disciples. And as such, we have been commanded, commanded to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbours yourself. And we've been commissioned to tell the good news to those around us. But we don't do this on our own. It's not, you know, me on my own trying to have good ideas. We have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, we are not alone. 
he is with us to the very end of the age. So we have the Holy Spirit. Now, has anybody here come to faith with nobody speaking to them about God at all? Anybody? Any hands? No? I'm the same. And I was so difficult, God had to send lots of different people to speak to me about Jesus uh, before I, I finally succumbed and uh, allowed the Holy Spirit to wash over me. And that's literally what happened. I got saved in my shower. I'll tell you the story later if anybody wants to really know about me in my shower. So scripture tells us, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter your nationality, doesn't matter your ethnicity, it doesn't matter your social standing. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But it says, how then can they call on one they've not, they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So someone has to tell them the good news for them to hear. That someone could be anyone in this room. Every one of us has the ability to talk to our friends about Jesus. And the reason for that is the next part of this scripture says, and how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. If we're only in doubt about whether we've been sent, we can simply have to read again the Great Commission. So to be clear, we have all been commissioned to preach the good news. Does that mean we've all got to be evangelists? Okay, this is the get-out. No, it doesn't. You can, you can breathe out now from the breath in at the beginning. You can breathe out. We don't have to all be evangelists. But we can all make the most of every opportunity that we have to talk about what God has done in our life. We can all bring somebody to hear the message. Uh, reading in the Bible about Andrew. Andrew brought his brother Peter to hear Jesus. In fact, Jesus was the message. Not many of us will go on to be Peter's and lead worldwide churches. But every one of us can be an Andrew and can bring somebody to hear the good news of the gospel. It has been described as the greatest service one person could do for another. Just imagine that. The greatest service anyone could do for another. And I always get this picture. Um, I remember once we were standing at a, a, a crossing. Um, this lad was about to walk out onto the crossing and there was a car coming that wasn't going to stop. And I just managed to get a hold of his shoulder and yank him back. And I'm not saying I saved his life. He, 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 he's probably miles away and I probably overreacted completely. But that is the sort of thing that we're doing. When we tell people about Jesus, we're not just saving their lives for now. We are enabling Jesus to save their lives for eternity. So we can all have beautiful feet. It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Now, my wife will tell you, she thinks my feet are particularly unattractive. 
I'm not going to get them out now because, it, uh, you know, we don't have enough bins to give everybody. Um, but when I tell somebody about Jesus, my feet suddenly become beautiful. In the parable of a good Samaritan, the expert in the law says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, we used to have a joke early on in the church. Nobody's ever come up to me and said, what must I do to be saved? Um, but the thing is, we can get to that position of giving people the good news so that they know what they must do to be saved. There is only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. I have had opportunities to give a reason for the hope that I have. Some people, you know, they might say, well, why, are you so, why are you so happy? You know, there's a pandemic going on. You know, it's raining. You know, all this stuff's going on. Why are you looking so happy? So how do we, how do we actually tell people about Jesus? Well, there's a clue in the scripture here. It says goes right back again, and we repeat the great command that must come first. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That always has to be the starting point. We are not about trying to get, you know, ticks on, the, um, on our stick of the number of people we've spoken to about Jesus. It's not about that. It's about loving people into the kingdom. And this scripture says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and with respect. So we see these people with the placards, you're all going to hell. I don't think that's either gentle or respectful. Um, but bless them, they're doing what they believe God's called them to do. So this is not a tick list. This is a lifestyle of loving God and serving those around us. It's got to be a lifestyle, and it's not even a one-off. We can only love because Christ first loved us. It begins with loving Jesus. Set apart Christ as Lord. And ask the Lord for opportunities. You know, we read, you know, if you are, you don't have because you didn't ask. If we ask for opportunities, what's God going to give us? He's going to give us a scorpion on it, or what was the other one? Stone? No, he's going to give us opportunities. My problem is, half the time, I don't recognize the opportunities until afterwards. Have you ever done that? You've walked away from a conversation. Oh, I could have done so much with that. Don't worry about it. God's got it all in hand. He knows you weren't going to talk that time but you will have another opportunity to go back and gentleness and respect I'm going to repeat what I said before people don't care how much you know it doesn't matter what you know about the Bible it doesn't matter what you know about the history of the church people don't, people don't care about that what they care about what they care about is how much you care so the first thing is to listen Listen to their story. Really hear what they've got to say. Every one of us. When we're talking to people, I know, if you're anything like me, they're talking and you think, oh, I've got a great anecdote for that. Just wait till they finish it. I'm going to jump in with that now. And 
but that's not loving. We, we won't hear. The minute you come to that point, you're going to forget everything they say after that. We really need to listen to what they've got to say. And then what you can do is you can tell them your story. So preaching the gospel is as simple as telling people your story. It says in Revelation, they overcame um, the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the power of their testimony. Everyone in this room who knows Jesus has a testimony to the goodness of God in their life. And you can share that. And do you know the great thing is, nobody can argue with that. They can't, they can't say, well, no, no, that's not true, because it's actually your story. So you listen to their story. You tell them your story, and particularly as it relates to their story. And then you might get the opportunity to tell them God's story. Now, all of us, if we're honest, we all have objections. or re We would call them reasons. Can we put the next slide up, Ali? But they're objections. Okay. Even Moses had objections. The Lord God Almighty was telling Moses, this is what I want you to do. And Moses is saying, no, no, you got it wrong. And you just think, okay. It might be, I'm too introverted. I can't witness. I'm scared of people. And Paul, um, in 2 Corinthians, um, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You're not alone. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside you to help, to strengthen, and to encourage you in, these, in those times. Do you know, all of us have tried and not succeeded. Well, not succeeded yet, anyway. We did, uh, I remember once, uh, we'd been running Alpha for about 10 years, and we thought, good idea, we'll do a joint Alpha with all the churches in the town. So um, we booked the Methodist room, and we advertised it in the paper. Uh, we gave out leaflets, went round every door, putting leaflets through doors. We put a big sign up outside the Methodist church, Alpha here and the date. And we all rocked up at the Methodist church, waiting for the droves of people to come in. And do you know how many people turned up? None. Not one. Nobody turned up. And to say we were disappointed was um, an understatement. I really said, Lord, is this, does this mean this is the end of this season for us, for Alpha? Is there something else you've got for us? Do we now need to lay Alpha down and do something else? And we really felt God saying, no, now is not the time to put it down. Now is the time to press in. And that was 15 years ago, and we've been running Alpha for 15 years, and there's a whole bunch of people that have come to faith through Alpha since then. So it doesn't mean to say that everything we do is going to succeed. And um, so the other objections are uh, meeting people is intimidating. It really is. We did a project once called, uh, anybody remember the Jesus video project? Where you go and knock on doors and you do a survey and you give people a video to watch. And you say, I'm going to come back again in a week's time and I'd just like you to answer some questions for our survey on what you thought of the video. And, and I knocked at one door me and another guy with me, 
this bloke, great big bloke come to the door. Oh, Lord, you've got this so wrong. I just thought, anybody else? You know, this, this guy is not the slightest bit interested. Anyway, we told him what we were doing. So, oh, come in and talk to the missus. So we came in and we talked to his wife. And his wife actually is part of the church. And then I think it was between 10 and 15 years later, he got saved. And they are part of the church now. So don't go by appearances. Don't be intimidated. Do you know one of the works of the enemy is he wants to intimidate you. He wants to tell you that you're no good, that you can't do it, um, that you're introverted, that they will not want to hear what you've got to say. And the enemy is the father of all lies. The devil is the father of all lies. So we don't need to be worried about being intimidated. Maybe we tried it and it's not worked. Well, we did that and we carried on. Do you know, sometimes we can be afraid of being rejected. I've, I've talked to a lot of people about Jesus. And do you know, not one person so far has hit me. I've never been punched once. People might think you're a bit weird, but that's the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. Now, if the worst thing that can happen to you is people think you're weird, and the best thing that can happen is they get saved, it's a completely unequal equation, isn't it? So I'm willing to be weird. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with David. I will be even more undignified than this. Do you remember that song we used to sing? So in this country, we are not killed for proclaiming Jesus. There are some countries where you would be killed for proclaiming Jesus. We have a blessing in this country that we can talk to people about Jesus. And the worst that can happen is they think you're weird. And you, we probably are anyway. I know I am anyway. My wife thinks I am. So Tom talked last week about the seed. So... When we look at the seed that was spread, do you know only 25% of, of the seed actually did anything? The rest of it was pretty much wasted. So 25% of the seed actually bore some fruit. But look what it did. That 25% of the seed produced a fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. So you never know when you speak to somebody what is going to influence their lives, what they're going to go on to do for Jesus. Anybody heard of Billy Graham? Okay, Billy Graham is an evangelist. Sorry, was an evangelist. And um, he's preached to around 2.2 billion people worldwide. He's had about 3.2 million people respond to receive Jesus through his, his ministry. He's been an advisor to all of the American presidents from Harry Truman to Barack Obama. And Billy Graham had a friendly relationship with Queen Elizabeth II. And he was frequently invited by the royal family to special events. They first met in 1955 when Billy Graham preached at Windsor Chapel at the Queen's invitation during the following year. Billy Graham died at the age of 99 in 2018. And he said, I'll be in heaven for one reason. Many years ago, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, to make forgiveness possible and rose again from the dead to give us eternal life. 
and he would always finish it up. Do you know you'll go to heaven when you die? And the reason Billy Graham became a Christian at the age of 16, he was actually, his parents were, were Christians, but he wasn't allowed to go to some of the meetings because everybody thought he was too worldly in, in his outlook. 16-year-old. What 16-year-old today is not worldly? Come on. So he wasn't allowed to go. And then a friend of his, a, a chap called Albert McMakin. Anybody heard of Albert McMakin? Right. Well, put your hand down. You know the story. Um, Albert McMakin was a friend of Billy Graham's, and he, he so wanted Billy Graham to get saved. Now, this was something that only the Holy Spirit could put on his heart. And he knew that there's a preacher, and his name was, um, what was his name? Mordecai. Mordecai Ham was coming to preach that week. And um, he said to Billy Graham, he says, I'll tell you what, Billy. He says, this is in the 1930s. He says, I'll let you drive my truck to the, to the sermon if you'll come in with me. So Billy Graham drove this truck to the sermon. He went in and he got saved. And the rest, as they say, is history. Now, we are not all going to be Billy Grahams. I'm sorry to disappoint anybody here who's, who's got this, this thought. You might be. Sorry, I don't want to put anything negative on you. But we can all be Albert McMakins. We can all bring somebody to hear the message of Jesus. So it may be, if we could put the next one up, Carolyn, it may be that you've already been speaking to somebody or feel that somebody is ready for an introduction to the message of Jesus. Don't worry, you haven't got to um, explain the whole of the Bible to them in a weekend. All right, just to let you off the hook a bit there. We're going to start running Alpha. Alpha is a great place for people that are exploring Christianity uh, to come along to. Who, who here has heard of Nicky Gumbel? Um, Alexander Venter is one of your heroes. Nicky Gumbel is one of my heroes. Um, but the incredible link between Nicky Gumbel and Vineyard is amazing. Um, John Wimber, uh, who was a pioneer of... Um, uh, I was going to say pioneer of pioneer then. I'm getting mixed up. Who uh, <laughs> was the, the, the pioneer of... Um, what are we? Vineyard, that was it. He went to a, a meeting at Holy Trinity Church in London. And he called, he just stood there and said, like Tom does on a Sunday, come Holy Spirit. And, and as he prayed, come Holy Spirit, Nicky Gumbel, who was sitting in the front, Nicky Gumbel was a barrister. He was in all of his barrister's garb because he comes straight from court. And the Holy Spirit touched him and he just fell back in the Holy Spirit. And he was creating such a fuss, John Wimber said, I'll take him outside with you. And then on the way out, John Wimber said, God is giving that man the ability to talk to people about Jesus. That's, that's how God works. He doesn't work on how clever we are or how much we know. He works through his Holy Spirit every single time. So God's Holy Spirit in Nicky Gumbel enabled him then to take um, something that had already been started. He didn't even start it. Alpha was already running. But 
sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes on something, he ignites it. He puts a fire under it so that it's, it has a far bigger reach than it could have had before. And that's what happened. And now millions and millions of people worldwide have done an Alpha course and come to faith through Jesus as a result of that. So we're going to be starting our next Alpha course on Monday, the 4th of October, in Saxon Hall. We're going to have a room down the bottom there. Um, we start with a meal together. Then we have a film presentation on an aspect of the Christian faith. And anyone can come along. It's those with no faith, those who are antagonistic to the faith, those who just want to explore, those who just want to brush up on the basics. Um, you've got an invitation on your chair um, that you can, you can give to somebody. We're going to pray later on um, for these, that we will find some good soil to plant these in. Okay? If you don't have anybody in mind at the moment, that is not a problem. We don't want you to go, okay, uh, who can I give this to? Uh, oh, there's somebody, I'll go and give it to them. No, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you somebody. And I want to show you, um, in, in a few moments, I'm going to show you a short um, film from HTB in London. HTB is Holy Trinity Brompton. And it's a church that sits in between Harrods and the Victoria and Albert Museum in the wealthiest part of London. Their congregation consists of everybody from lawyers, bankers, and um, very wealthy people to everybody. Street cleaners, everybody goes to HTB in, in that area. And it draws a wide spectrum of people to its services. It will be easy to be intimidated by young, high-flying people. But some of those people that I've spoken to HTP have got such a heart for Jesus that they, they are willing to give up their weekends just to go and cook food for an Alpha course. I want to watch this amazing testimony of God's power. Now, this is God's power to rescue, to redeem, and to restore. The church should be famous for its love, a love that's unconditional and inclusive, love for people of different backgrounds, ages, ethnicities, lifestyles, and perspectives. I think of Eddie. Eddie left school at 16. He had no qualifications. He came to live in London. He was sleeping rough on the streets of London. He became an alcoholic. He started injecting himself with heroin. He injects himself so much he had no veins left to inject. Started injecting in his groin. He got deep vein thrombosis. He had cirrhosis of his liver. He uh, had problems with his lungs. And he came very, very close to death. This is how Eddie looked. Close to death. He came on Alpha. He came on the Alpha weekend. And during the Alpha weekend, he encountered Jesus Christ. Someone prayed for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus set him free. Free from alcoholism. Free from his heroin addiction. He became a, a changed man. This is how my good friend Eddie looks now. He's almost a full-time volunteer in the church. He says, I can't change my past. 
but I can change my future. He wants to contribute back to society. And he's doing that. He's making a difference to other people's lives now. That's our awesome God. He can, he can not only do it at HTB in London, he can do it here in Rawns. Um, he can do it for anybody. And I've just got one question, and Tom's going to come up. We started off saying we get to, I think Tom said last week, um, John Wimber said, so when do we get to do the stuff? Um, so we get to do the stuff. We all get to play. So let me ask you who you could possibly invite. Tom? Well, thanks so much for listening to this teaching from Nen Valley Vineyard. We pray it blesses you and produces good fruit in you. If we can connect to you or help you engage with our community, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us via our website, which is nenvalley.church. <laughs>